The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, take your utilicilt off and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 84 with guest Chris Sells, recorded live Friday, October 8, 2004. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet, ASPNet, and C-Sharp classes online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASPNet web applications, online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who is suing Roy for therapy costs from listening to the Burning Man song, Carl Franklin! Yeah! How are you, friends? Carl here. You're listening to .NET Rocks, and uh, we're live in New London, Connecticut tonight. Uh, Kirk is here. Hey, Kirk. Hey. And uh, out there in Portland, Oregon, my co-host, Mr. Rory Blythe. How are you, sir? What's uh Pretty good. Yeah. What's happening with you, man? You had a good week? Um, I Yeah, I actually had a really good week. Um, On Saturday night, uh, I mean, I'm not going to like go into detail or anything, but I just okay. had like a really, 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 really good night. And then... Um, All right, good. And then last night, um, I had a really, 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 really good night. And... <laughs> Um, that's, that's all I'm saying. This makes about for that. gripping radio, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a, but, uh, a couple no, no, more realies and we'll really go over the top. <laughs> well, since I'm not giving any details, I thought I'd just, yeah. you know, fill it in with more realies. Right. right. You know, right. I mean, it's, it's better than nothing. But yeah, no, I've, I've kind of been spending time with a human being that's been very pleasant. Oh, and, oh yeah, good. So, good. so it's, it's been a really good week. And, and for anybody who is going to uh, be hearing this show before Tuesday. I just wanted to see this right off the bat. I'm going to be uh, giving a presentation um, in Boise, Idaho on Tuesday. I'm going to be doing a little uh, user group presentation out there. So you ought to just watch my blog. It's going to be on like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. It's a very last-minute thing, so I want to get the word out. Oh, good. Yeah, now, yeah. You, speaking of your blog, you've got a contest going on, right? Yes, that's true. Um, a, a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was Richard Thomas, yeah, Richard out, Thomas. In, uh, out in the U.K., Got the uh, got that copy of Visual Studio yes. .NET 2003 special edition it, from us, and, and I, I mailed that out today. And holy crap, was that expensive! You better really like this thing. And then <laughs> uh, uh, I've got another copy that I'm going to be giving away on my blog. Okay. And so I've got the contest going on. That's going to start on Monday, and it's going to run through Friday. And then I'm going to take a week to tally everything up and 
you know, count the bribe money and figure out who's going to win the uh, win the copy. I think so. we have an I think we have a new nickname for you, Roy. The, What's that? The Candyman. The Candyman. Well, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. You know, that's cool. <laughs> Sweet, little weird. Yeah, the cool. Candyman. So the Candyman. Come get the candy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a great week. Had a great class this week. Uh, four guys, really bright. Really uh, enjoyed it. Got to do some more advanced things that I don't normally get to do, and great. I just had a great time. And they enjoyed it as well. That's about all I'm going to say about this week. Obviously, some <laughs> some really interesting things are cooking that we can't talk about, mostly to yeah. do with the .NET Rocks party, right? Yeah, I think what we can say is um, if you don't go to the party, then you're going to slap yourself on the forehead with either one of your hands or perhaps both, or maybe even like a third hand we have that's growing amazing. out of you know, your hip or something. Yeah. and Because uh, you're going to need that extra. You're going to need 50% more hands with which to slap yourself to make up for all the slapping that's going to have to take place. <laughs> you're going to go, damn, I missed that. We have some surprises we can't talk about and uh, that you're just going to have to go to see. So look, from most places in the United States anyway, uh, a plane ticket to Vegas is going to be cheap. So fly in on Friday night, stay Saturday, go to the party Saturday night, fly home Sunday, you know, spend a weekend in Vegas with Carl and Rory and Jeff and Kirk maybe and and uh, if he gets to if the boss will let him out and uh and a lot of the guests from .NET Rocks. Uh, I know Mark Miller's going to be there. I think Mark Dunn's going to be there. And uh, it's going to just be awesome. And we have, like I said, some incredible, like, you won't believe what we have planned. It's just going to be that <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so. when, you, when you told me, um, I was kind of in disbelief. I actually thought that it was this cruel joke that was just going to get played right. out and it was going to be a, a delayed April Fool's sort of thing. But right, right. Um, after well, talking to you a bit more about it and talking to other parties involved, I realized that in fact you weren't just pulling yeah. a bunch of crap, and that something really cool something is something really, really cool happening. is brewing. So that's going to be so. November sixth, somewhere in Las Vegas. We're still looking for a place, and uh, probably in, by next week we'll have something. Yeah. Um, hey, the the big news before I read the mail, I was quoted in Wired, and uh, Wired News Online at least came out with a story on podcasting. What is podcasting? As you know. In last week's show, we were introduced to podcasting as a term, and it's like only a couple weeks old, but basically the whole idea is a delivery mechanism for using for accessing MP3 files that are published on a regular schedule using RSS. And so it's nothing new. It's just RSS, like you would use an aggregator to go aggregate RSS content, but, but in RSS 2.0, there's an enclosure uh, tag type that has a link to a file, like an MP3 file, and then a file size, and then a, a MIME type. And a smart programmer can write a program to go not just aggregate you know, HTML and text, but to actually go and download those MP3 files on a schedule. And uh, so there's a bunch of, bunch of projects going on uh, to, to write programs to do that, to aggregate MP3 files. And .NET Rocks has, since last week, um, upgraded its RSS feeds to support enclosures, and uh, we've cleaned up our RSS feeds quite a bit. We're actually using real tools now, Roy, not the String Builder. <laughs> you know, just, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so people are actually using it, and it's working. Also, we are uh, supporting the iPod specifically with a bookmarkable audiobook format. So if you're using an iPod and listening to .NET Rocks, you can download it in AAC format, and then you can you know, put a bookmark uh, whenever you stop and come back to that bookmark. So it's good stuff. And, and, and I got to say, you know, 
the whole idea of podcasting, you know, with with enclosures was, I guess, sort of Adam Curry, I guess, is sort of the guy who can take credit for getting this term off the ground. Don't you think, Rory? Um, that's when I really first started hearing about it. Right. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Yeah, he was a VJ in the, for MTV in the 80s. and uh, Adam Adam of the biggest hair. Right, that's Adam how big I used to hair Curry, yeah. right. And so, so I got quoted. They asked me about uh, what I thought about podcasting, and it's in Wired News. And we'll, uh, the link is www.shrinkster.com slash 1BR, 1BR. And there you go. So, uh, got some mail this week, though. As I said before, this one comes from Paul Schaefline. He says, uh, Carl, I just received my October 2004 MSDN DVD shipment. I always browse the library disc to see what videos are included, MSDN TV, etc. I was blown away when I saw a category called .NET Rocks, episodes 60 through 71. Congratulations. And, yeah, they, uh, they're putting the, the shows, the old shows, on the MSDN CD uh, DVDs that they're giving away, and in the last quarter they got you got the first uh, the first bunch of them. I guess maybe they're going backwards. I'm not actually sure. Anyway, this one's from Roland Boone. He says, "Hello, DNR team. The troubles one goes through to listen to your show at work. Your announcement that a new show can be downloaded first arrives at my company email address. Unfortunately, the company I work for decided to block MP3 and WMA files." One wonders why. The solution is simple when you have access to an ASP.NET server. First download the file of that server, rename the file, and download that file. WebClient.FileDownload makes this a no-brainer. Not that it is very practical. It uses uh, too much resources. The whole site goes almost offline until uploading all the 80-plus megabyte of a full show. Some extra coding will be necessary to get the CPU usage below a respectable threshold. So my first attempt of a DNR reloader can be found at www.shrinkster.com slash 17C. Thanks, guys, for making coding.net fun. Uh, regards, Roland Boom. Uh, by the way, I put the DNR reloader inside my weblog code, weblog.aspx. The reason why I did this is that it allowed for reuse of some security code of the web service feeding the regular web page. The username password is necessary so that it's not misused. Good, good stuff. And this is perhaps cool. the sorry, Rory. Go ahead. You know, you, you know that sucks though that uh, that his company's blocking MP3s. Really, I mean, it's like next they're going to want to block pornography and online gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Shudder the thought. I, uh, this is really cool, uh, Rory. I don't know if you have seen the email from Jeff Fansler, uh, who is uh, called the Big Fanzoo. He says, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah." Dear Carl, Rory, Jeff, Richard, and Kirk, I have a couple things to bring to your attention, but I'll start with the one I mentioned in the subject, which is called The Most Amazing Technology Since the Web Was Invented. Oh, and I love .NET Rocks. What I have created could quite possibly change your life as you know it. I listen to your show all the time, and I can tell you you are starting to miss uh, all of the standard boilerplate praise emails. Since everyone started getting witty and putting in the XML uh, angle bracket boilerplate email tags. I just know you missed the good old-fashioned boilerplate email. Well, I have put forth an effort to fix this atrocity. The last thing in the world the fans want is for you not to feel loved. So let's start with this. And he's got in blue, uh, Dear Carl, Rory, Jeff, Richard, and Kirk, I just wanted to say I love the show. New line. I have filled my iPod with your legal MP3s to avoid being a thief. <laughs> my favorite segment is Weird Wide Web. 
parentheses, please don't kill Kirk, new line. This is an attempt to get useless crap, new line. Keep up the good work and keep on rocking, new line. Sincerely, Jeff Fansler. And at the bottom it says, this .NET Rocks praise has been generated using FanZoo's amazing .NET Rocks praise gener v generator V10, brought to you by FanZoo Consulting. <laughs> swag. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> swag. So you, so you may be wondering, what is the big deal with that? Well, I'll tell you. It's quite possibly the most amazing technology created since the web was invented. This, my friends, is the amazing FanZoo's.NET Rocks praise generator. Now anyone can easily generate the, some praise for you and fire off an email. You will no longer slave away unnoticed to the rest of the world. Your fans love you, and now they can all send you praise without having to write it. Oh, P.S. Don't blame me if your inbox is full of amazing praise. I just try to share the love. And then he says, uh, PSS, if you have any spare useless crap, you would make all my coworkers jealous, not to mention all the quiet, uh, quiet all the naysayers who said my DNR praise generator wasn't so amazing. And the link to this is shrinkster.com slash 1CG. <laughs> that is so awesome. And there you go. So, so we actually got quite a few emails that looked exactly the same, which I'm can not read, going to read. Can I read what I've got here? Like for sure. the Fanzoo's Amazing Donnet Rocks Praise Generator? Sure. I love this. This is a free tool to generate your praise to the Donnet Rocks host. Use this tool to generate an email that you can then paste into your favorite email program and modify it to your heart's content. This tool is absolutely free. How can I possibly <laughs> offer this tool for free, you ask? I just love that. That's like that's really good stuff right there. Excellent. Thank you, Jeff. Absolutely You're right. we, free. We really, really do appreciate it. Okay, <laughs> on to more serious matters. We had a show with Joe Stagner a little while ago, and he shocked the world when he replied uh, indicating uh, to a question that I asked, indicating that you could actually uh, cause a SQL injection attack when using parameters. And uh, and he actually didn't say, when he said, well, I can, when I asked him if he could do that, if somebody could do that, he didn't mean that you could do SQL injection attacks with it. What he meant, you could, what he meant was that you can do a lot of other nasty things. So he actually replied to me because a bunch of people sent me emails saying, tell me it isn't so. I said, Joe, the world wants to know if you can really do a SQL injection attack with parameters or is it just that you are not safe from other kinds of attacks, even if you use parameters? Can you elaborate? And he said, hey, Carl, the vulnerability is not SQL injection via parameters, though I suppose that it is not impossible. And that's just the hacker skeptic right there. The vulnerabilities in overruns are in overruns via parameters. So, And there's no way around the need to validate input. So no, he doesn't have a secret that the rest of us don't know. So relax, people. All in good fun, anyway, right? Hey, your your computer's going down. Hey, ha, ha, some, <laughs> relax, relax. All right, anyway, uh, this is from Rob Windsor, our good old friend up there in Canada, and he says, uh, uh, "Hey, Carl, Rory, and gang, could you take a minute next show to give some props to Craig Flanagan and the rest of the crew at MSDN Canada?" For the past year or so, this group has gone above and beyond the call of duty to grow the .NET community up here. In addition to organizing regular user group leader conference calls, hmm, providing a community web space for us, and doing several deep dive events in major cities, MSDN is doing four, yes, four, coast-to-coast -coast user group tours this year. 
Wow. It's due to these efforts that we have grown from 17 to 26 Canadian .NET user groups in the last year and look like growing even further in 2005. I don't know where the Employee of the Month plaque is down in Redmond, but I think Craig deserves to get his name on it. Keep on rocking, Rob Windsor. Craig, congratulations. You have our props, man. Much love, much love. Good job. We'll share the love. In fact, I'm going to forward some of these praise emails on to you. And, uh, you know, what can I say? That's the, that's the mail, and now it's time for the news. Now obey. So the news of the week with Rory Blythe. Uh, how you doing, Rory? I'm doing well. Okay, so the news this week. Um, first, the news is that in, in the real world, could you hear my quotes? In the real world, um, yeah. when news is scooped, it's usually scooped like a day ahead or a few hours ahead or maybe like a week ahead. Uh-huh. But over the past two weeks, Carl, you've made a habit of scooping me mere minutes ahead. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna announce that you were in Wired. I wanted to do oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry, man. And just, just so you know, I have my own Shrinkster URL to that Wired article, and it's Shrinkster.com/slash/1cc. Okay. And it's a lot easier to remember than the other one that Carl used. That's true. It is. Right. Isn't it nicer and more aesthetically pleasing? <laughs> Don't you wish you had waited? <laughs> okay. So it is really cool. Not just because uh, I got a quote, but just because you know, hey, here we have been doing you know, podcasting since May of 2002 and, you know, basically allowing people to burn. So they started burning discs to the, you know, CDs, MP3s to CDs and take them in their cars. And people have been copying into their So people have been doing that with .NET Rocks, but now it's just as easy as letting some program automatically download. So yeah. I thought it was very cool. Podcasting okay. is here to stay. Well, we got some mileage out of that news, news item again. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. So yeah, shrinkshow.com slash 1cc. Forget that other stupid URL Carl gave you earlier. All right, cool. Now the other uh, little news item for the day is that uh, Zemlon was released on Monday. And so if you head over to shrinkster.com slash 1ce, uh, there's a CNET article all about this. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Zemlon is this, it's an interesting project, just straight from the, uh, from the CEO's mouth, where a subset of Avalon the parts that people need today. It's an Avalon-like clone. So people are going to be getting Xamalon, or actually XAML that they can work with now with uh, the current versions of .NET and uh, not have to wait for XAML to come out through Microsoft. Um, they're going to work hard to remain compatible with Microsoft as things move forward. So that's kind of a cool product. 399 yeah. bucks, you know, worth taking a look at. That's a bit of news. But aside from that, yeah, I, uh, I don't have a whole lot else going on. Oh, man. Sorry I scooped you, man. No, it's not that bad. You know, it's all right. These things happen. Ah, well. Slow news week. Now obey. Well, uh, Rory, I know uh, you probably didn't know until a couple hours ago who the guest was this <laughs> week. And, you know, come yeah. to think of it, neither did I. <laughs> so... I uh, just that uh, by chance I am Chris Sells this afternoon, and you know our, our our scheduled guest didn't work out, and and I said you know it's been a while since we've talked to you. Would you like to come on the show? And he said sure. He's got a lot to talk about the stuff that he's been doing lately, and he's been a, a sort of a regular fixture on this show. Yeah, and I, I appreciate it. Definitely appreciate having him on, and I know you do too. Will you please welcome Chris Sells? Hey guys. Hi. Hey Chris. Hello. So- 
You know, I know that the protocol is that I'm supposed to be quiet during that, you know, amazing connect with the audience <laughs> intro that you guys do. It wasn't it amazing? It was. It's always amazing. And I've been listening to a lot of them lately because I did like a whole house clean sweep of my house and had a big garage sale. And, you know, <laughs> anyway, and I've been so I've been putting them on my MP3 player, although it's not an iPod. So yeah. is that podcasting? I yeah, don't it know is. If that counts. Yeah, podcasting is doesn't matter which uh, MP3 player you use. So I I I was so trendy. I didn't even know how trendy I was. But I took some notes during your your very moving intro because of all the you know I I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Right. So I have some feedback. Would Would you like to hear it? <laughs> so Roy, I, I that, would like to hear. It, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that contest thing you got going on. Yeah. So I saw that post. What do people mm -hmm. have to do? <laughs> <laughs> I left some pretty clear instructions, you know, and for a guy who has that Mensa certificate on the wall, I didn't think they'd be that difficult. And if you can't get them, then maybe I should go back and rewrite them. Um, what you do is, uh, is you wait for me to post clear instructions on Monday, and then you follow those. I thought they were um, clear. But I mean, do they have to, like, write the coolest piece of code or... No, 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 no. See no, what this cool thing they can do in the hotel room with the waste paper basket. What do they have? To <laughs> no, no, because the deal with this contest is that uh, if, if it were like a coding contest, then all the people who don't have VS.net already would kind of be put out in the cold behind the people who do have it. And since the prize itself is the thing that they would use in order to do well in the contest, those That's people would true. be at a disadvantage. And those are the people I want to get this to the most. So, um, so uh, it, is it so there's nothing? What do they have to do to win? There are going to be three questions. One question on Monday, one on Wednesday, one on Friday. All they have to do is research the questions, write down the answers, like in a notebook or on their hands, you know, so these are on like bathroom coding walls. Questions, the things that you're having trouble figuring out at your house? No, so no, you're, you're, no. It's, your manager it's, came to you and said, I have these three things I need you to do. No, these are going to be, these are going to be things. I, I was actually very clear in the post that this is really just my way of trying to raise awareness of the MSDN events team. Because we can't do traditional marketing. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to hit people in another way. And Microsoft didn't put me up to this. I actually just got these two copies of VS.net in the mail. And I thought, I'm just going to see what I can do with these. And uh, so I'm going to put people on a little bit of a scavenger hunt. I think the, so it's like, a, yeah. like an internet scavenger hunt. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as long as they get the answers right, you know, with the form that I'm going to give them on Friday that they can plug all their answers into, then they get entered into a drawing. And then the drawing decides who actually wins. I was thinking about doing this thing with time limits and all this other stuff, but then I thought, you know, a, a, a lot of people yeah, are reading there. it who are in Australia and who are here and who are there, and, and I don't want to screw these people just because there'd be like a time limit or a deadline. So you'll actually like determine a winner this week? I'm going to determine a winner the week after next week. So, so, so this coming Monday, we're going to begin the contest, and then the contest itself will be finished on Friday, and then I'm going to announce a winner a week from that Friday. Friday the 15th. Yes. Yeah, we've, because I, I think. Because I have um, something that I could give away, but I don't know if the timing would be right. Mm. Is, 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 it a, is it a used kilt? <laughs> Please, no. It, it wasn't very well used. <laughs> no, actually, um, I run this little conference. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Starts with XML, ends with DevCon? Yeah, oh. so the Applied uh, XML uh, Developers Conference in... Um, in Skamania Lodge in Stevenson, Ooh. Washington, October 20th and 21st, I would be happy to donate a seat for you to give away in your contest story. That would be Very cool. really incredible. What I would do, actually, is uh, 
is I will bump up the decision date for the winner. I wanted to give everybody enough time to get their entries in, but I'll just tell them, look, you got to have them in by Monday morning. And then uh, on Monday morning, I will do the drawing and uh, and give the stuff away. That'd be awesome. Well, that's cool. You, Rory. Excellent. Well, thank okay, you, so Chris. That was, that, was my, uh, that was my first bit of feedback. Okay. And by the way, the kilt thing. Tell everybody what that's all about. What's this so, kilt thing? So I wore a kilt, and I put a picture of it on my website to prove it. And the kilt was, so I went to this little gathering in the desert called Burning Man. It was an intimate little. <laughs> there it is. I love, I love the polka remix. I so love <laughs> the polka remix. Let's just listen to a little of this. Oh, my goodness. So um, I think most of my family is convinced that Rory is my gay lover. <laughs> simply I'm, because I'm who else would write a song in his hotel room with his waste paper basket <laughs> and his accordion, yeah. apparently, about uh, my little trip to Burning Man. Well, my aunt's been trying to give me a purse for Christmas every year for the past four years, so my family's kind of suspicious, too. But <laughs> You already carry a purse. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. That's what yeah, I said. I was like, one. I've already got one. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's not yeah. me. That color is not me. It doesn't match my <laughs> eyes. What are you trying to do to me here? <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, most of my family is just incredulous that my little trip into the desert with 35,000 of my closest friends would yield such a, yeah. such a response so from anyone. But anyway, so about the but yeah, kilt. So you were there. So the kilt, yeah. So the idea of the kilt is I wanted to, you know, this is a group of, well, freaks, frankly. <laughs> and, and I wanted to fit in. Right, I'm not like Rory. Right, I'm not naturally. Free. <laughs> and you had never been before to Burning and Man. I've never been before, and and um, what, when what, a yeah. couple of people, Microsoft employees, in fact, MSDN employees, sat me down, oh, my wife geez. and I down for a beer and a counseling session. Oh God! Before said, or after? This is before. This <laughs> okay. is like the you know the here are the things you need to know. Yeah. Um, and they went so far as to mention, you know, that the happy pills I should take in the post-Burning Man depression that I was sure hmm. to really? uh, experience. Yes. Really? Really? So they said, you know, you've got to wear a costume because everyone else is going to wear a costume. And if you don't wear a costume, you're just like a pervert. Hmm. So I wanted to go... <laughs> I wanted to be a pervert, certainly, but I didn't want to look like a pervert. We have that on tape. <laughs> right. That's a soundbite we'll be playing over and over and over again. I want to be a pervert, actually. I want to be a pervert, actually. <laughs> Plan, so put some polka what, music behind that. They, so they recommended Utilikilt, which, you know, there happened to be one. In, well, the Utilikilt store is in downtown Seattle, where I happened to be at the time. Yeah. And so my wife and I and my my two children, the Sells brothers, went shopping for a kilt. Huh. And, of course, that's what I wore to fit in with the rest of the freaks at Burning Man. <laughs> now, you, now, you said just generally that this was a gathering of freaks, but what is the premise of Burning Man anyway? Because I still don't understand. They burn an effigy, and they chant, and they dance. What is it? Okay, so according to the Travel Channel, which is the, <laughs> the uh, authority, authority on, on Burning Man... Burning the night of the burn, they call it the burn. That's when they they burn this giant. I think he was thirty feet tall this year and decked yeah. out in uh, neon. Okay. They burn this giant wooden statue of a man. Right. And the really the I couldn't tell you what the official theme is, but it's kind of a mix between survivalism in okay. this harsh desert environment and kind of extreme self-expression. 
Okay. Right. So it's art and in all forms, whether it's, a, it's personal yeah. decoration, whether it's sculpture or painting or buildings or. <laughs> but it's but it's frankly. meant to be a human spiritual sort of transcendental experience, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they and they do away with all. There's no monetary transactions allowed there. Meaning it's not like you know. McDonald's sets up a temporary hut. Buy a bottle of water, you're out. <laughs> but it turns out that they do um, make two exceptions okay. to their no money rule. Okay. They will sell you ice, which is good. So you go every day or two to fill up your cooler, and they will sell you lattes. Here. And apparently, those are the two most important yeah. survival pieces of equipment yeah. you need in the middle of the desert. And little sheets ice of paper. Get them right. something. Yeah, you know, if you, if you bought ice, you could turn it into water. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Well, that's interesting. That's when just that? my survival instinct coming out right there. Mm. Well, that's amazing. Where you would be, you would, they would love you in the desert. And I mean that in the same way that I would say they would love you in prison. <laughs> so, yeah, was there, <laughs> so we're in a submarine. Was or there a lot of naked alley. people there? There were, yes. Yeah. There were so <laughs> many naked people. Yeah. Okay. That's unfortunate. And you had the kilt on the entire time? Uh, no, actually, after you I realized him up. that no Perfect. amount of kilting would allow me to fit in, I, I switched to shorts. Oh, oh okay. But you were fully clothed. Oh, we, yeah. We didn't have the Chris Sells that we know from the from the picture. I wasn't wandering with a laptop. The wearing nothing but a laptop. No, so. no, okay. Well, good. So what you been up to lately at over there at Microsoft? So I have been, so for... For gosh, more than a year. I just, in fact, had my first review at Microsoft. That's wow. like a big deal. For yeah, people. I bet. They, they get, uh, and it turns out that uh, they like me. They want to keep me. So well, that's good. I find that nice. Yes. So uh, in the last more than a year, I have been working almost exclusively on the Longhorn Dev Center and Longhorn-related activities and technology. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have been doing on and off lately is a pretty cool project where I actually get to work with a team of people internally that that use the various technologies of Longhorn now WinFX right. together to build stuff that we tell people you should be able to build with these technologies. Okay. And so we kind of spend a week or two specking out some apps and then we split up the development duties mm-hmm. and we build it and we see what we can build and what we can't build and and so, then we give the feedback into the product teams when we can't figure out how to do it or when it doesn't work. So let me ask you a question, and don't take this the wrong way, but how do I say this? You guys must uh, have, have a lot of time on your hands right now um, waiting for – I mean, what's going on with Longhorn? I thought the whole thing was sort of postponed. So Longhorn itself, actually, with the, the very good things happened with that announcement. The the, okay. the, the big news is what we call it internally. Right, right, okay. So with the big news, uh, that was actually really good because it split two very complicated kind of interdependent projects okay. apart from each other. Right, with, with Longhorn depending on Avalon to build the shell and right. then Avalon depending on a new driver model, model in Longhorn, there was just so many interdependencies that it was just really hard to build the whole thing all at once, Mm. right? I mean, Mm. giant pieces of software are always harder to build than smaller pieces of software. Right. So by splitting them, they were able to actually put hard and fast, hopefully, dates 
on things, right? Longhorn will ship in 06, and WinFX, I understand, will ship in that same time frame. But they want to be dependent on each other, meaning, you know, of okay. course, you've heard the big news, right? WinFX will work on Windows XP and Windows 2003, right. as well as Longhorn. So does that mean that you guys have to come up with something new and cool about Longhorn, at least from a from a marketing perspective or, or an evangelist perspective to get the word out about what's different about it from XP with all the features of Longhorn? So there are all kinds of people doing that very thing with Longhorn. Mm-hmm. But my focus is primarily on the program programmatic APIs, right? Okay. WinFX. All right. So when WinFX and Longhorn became two separate projects, I shifted my focus to WinFX. Okay. Good. So honestly, um, I've lost touch with the the cool new things going on. All right. So what aspects of WinFX are you, uh, are you working on? Well, of course the big ones, right? Avalon and Indigo. Mm -hmm. And so right now we've just finished one app internally and we're, we're, um, starting up a new one, the specking process on a new app to build as a group. And it's a small group. It's like less than a dozen people. Cool. Can you, can you tell us anything uh, about it? Uh, I just did. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's a small app. That's all. I but so that's okay. But that's still really. I mean, that's just a small part of my duty. Oh, okay. Because okay. The big thing that I just took on recently, um, and we're talking like the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Is um, work on the smart client dev center. Oh, okay. So you, I don't know if you knew. Did you guys know that Microsoft had a smart client developer center? All I, not until you talked about it. Yeah. All I know is the about WindowsForms.net, but I didn't know about a separate smart client portal. So we, um, th- there is one already that was kind of put up uh, because, you know, Microsoft has been making a big deal about this idea of smart client for a while now. And, of course, Longhorn was one expression of that, right? But that isn't the whole thrust of what Microsoft wants you to uh, think about when you're building your apps, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of capability in the .NET framework today now that you can only really tap if you're building applications that target the platform as a whole, not yeah. the little piece that runs in the browser. Right. So with that being an important part of the message, they put up this developer-centric portal mm-hmm. um, a little while ago, and now they've just asked me to kind of uh, do the same thing with that as I have with the Longhorn Developer Center, which is kind of give it a public face and contribute to how I think it should be structured and what content developers need to know to be effective in writing smart client applications. Cool. So this is like brand new for me. Yeah. I mean, the smart, smart client thing, I've been, I've been doing that and no touch deployment and Windows forms for right. years. Right. Right. I mean, with, with the Wahoo application, mm. yeah. um, Chris <laughs> Anderson, I said that I was the first guy to actually do no touch deployment of a real app across the internet. And to figure out how that actually worked, mm. and that, that was that was a, a nice little game too, right? Yeah, it was a Tetris clone. And of course, when I got to Microsoft, and I realized that because uh, I built it before I went to Microsoft, but I realized that the inventor of Tetris worked at Microsoft. Oh yeah. I sent him a little email, and I said, <laughs> "Hey, look at this thing I built. Isn't it cool?" <laughs> and he sent me an email <laughs> right away saying, um, "Yeah, that looks like a copyright violation." <laughs> <laughs> So that was, you know, that was my brush with fame there. Great. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> I remember, I remember that story from a while back. I had, I had forgotten about it. It was nice to enjoy that all over again for the first time. <laughs> so I still haven't finished my feedback on your monologue. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. 
But I mean, if you have something more important. No, no. Well, I, I was wondering if you had something more important to talk about, actually. But go ahead. So, so uh, this Vegas thing. Yeah. So um, that sounds like it might be fun, except for is it a bunch of geeks getting together in Vegas doing geeky things, or is it a bunch of geeks getting together in Vegas trying to be like normal people? They won't be wearing any kilts. If that's your <laughs> question. <laughs> I, all I can say, Chris, is both. And and when you say when you say being normal people. Uh, well, you know, I think you mean normal. In, I think you mean have, normal people in Vegas, right? Well, they they do yeah. have activities in Vegas that have nothing to do with computers or normal people. Yeah. Well, for that matter, I meant normal people in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would we say, just going to go there and like projectile vomit at each other after <laughs> eating a bunch of Cheetos and stuff like that. There's well, both. I'm saying that that would be a lot more normal in Vegas than okay. say getting into well, a hotel room. I, Rory, I, if, Rory, I think I... If you want to go, go and if you want uh, like a projectile vomiting partner, then <laughs> I'll, I'll throw up on you and you can throw up on me if, that, if you want to do that. Let's call the whole thing up. All right, listen. I, I think I can safely say we're going to do both. We're going to have a party with some food and some drinks and then we're going to go out. All right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's the going out part. That could be potentially fun. Oh, insanely. You have no idea. There's a top secret element here, Chris, that we cannot discuss and will not discuss. But but Rory, I think he might be a good candidate for the person that we're looking for, actually. You know, that's possible. Yeah. Hmm. But we'll just leave it at that. That's all we're going to say, Chris. Well, goodness. Okay, so moving along. Yeah. (laughs) On the wired interview thing, Carl? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I you really have broken through to the closest thing to a secular press that we are ever likely to see. It's true. I mean, I can't believe it, really. Yeah, I've never I've never done that. The closest I ever came was um when the Seattle PI put me on a list of people that Microsoft had hired lately when I first got to Microsoft. Hmm. And so but I mean, they did well, they did call me for a quote and then I had to spend two weeks getting <laughs> approval from my management to be able to give them one. Oh. Yeah. Because, you know, I had all kinds of state secrets, right? It's almost better than tech TV, you know? <laughs> oh, way better. <laughs> it's like... Totally. I mean, it, it, the only thing better is if, you know, you were featured in People. <laughs> right? Because then you could, like, send that to your parents and, and they would have some Right. Because my whole family knows that I do something cool. Yeah. But they don't have any idea what it is. Right. Well, same here. Yeah. I mean, and so they try to be proud of me, but, you know, what are they really proud of? All they really know is that people are writing songs about me with polka music. But you still tell them, right? You still go to your mom's house for dinner and you try to explain, like, what you've been doing lately. And, you know, you just keep seeing her looking at her watch and glancing around the room. Oh, no, I don't even bother. Oh, you don't bother anymore? No, she's like, oh, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I've just been doing some computer stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't don't even bother. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, so on that .NET rocks, file reloader guy yeah, yeah, yeah. who was willing to like copy the file <laughs> to some server just so he could make it through his corporate firewall. Right. I love the fact that this is such a grassroots kind of stick it to the man <laughs> show that you could like people would risk their lo- jobs, their livelihood, their kids' college <laughs> education just so that they could listen. Although yeah. if the guy can copy the file from your server to his own server, Maybe he could, like, copy it to, like, a zip drive or burn it to a CD and bring it in his pocket or something. There's an idea. I don't know. Low-tech, I know, but. No, no, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe you could get, like, some BitTorrent going or something. Or maybe you could just download it at home. 
sure. <laughs> and bring it, it in. It just seems like there's a lot of ways to get Carl and Rory without that didn't risk his kid's college education. Yeah, oh, well, that may be true. Okay, one more thing. Okay. <laughs> so how long have I been in, how many times have I been in this show now? I think this is your fourth. Fourth. Yeah. And yeah, one of those times, four. I wasn't even a co-host. I actually... You were the host. I interviewed you. Yes, you interviewed me. Now, all those people that send you emails, you send them crap, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But the host or the frequent guest, do you ever send them crap? The frequent guests, no, the guests, you know, actually don't get crap, but they get incredible exposure, and that is better than a freaking coffee mug, so quit whining. He'll make you famous. <laughs> the last time I, do you remember what happened the last time I complained yeah. about this? Yeah, yeah. You I actually custom right. designed a t-shirt with Rory's picture on it just <laughs> right. for me. Right. And That's you right. sent me one. Yeah. Do you recall the size of the shirt you sent me? Uh, I just believe I picked the size that you, that you told me. What was oh, it, a large? no. no. No, no, no. Oh, did you I send you the size? The small. Oh, really? Yeah, so I've been wearing it on my left leg. <laughs> Sometimes I change it to my right leg. Wait a minute. I don't think I ordered a small. You have you to go out of your way to order a small. That's... You sent me a small. I had to go wow. and order my own piece of useless crap. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll have to give him his money back, Rory. So. Well, he should have called Frankensnack customer support. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to wait until I'm on the show again, and then I'm going to bitch and whine about the shirt. <laughs> but the shirt is pretty cool, right? It's got a picture of Rory pointing the finger at you, his index finger. And yes, on the... in fact, I, I immediately ordered one because Rory was coming over, and I wore it <laughs> to the door so he would feel comfortable, right? Now, Chris, how do, you think this, what do, you, how do you think this affects what your family thinks about me? Uh, they they know who you are, Rory. Now is it is it just the song, or is it possibly just that you're wearing this shirt with me on it around the house? Well, Maybe you know, you did write a song it. about me alone in your hotel room, <laughs> yeah, I so guess they probably I know what kind of a relationship we have. Uh, so well, good. that was an awkward silence right there. So, um, uh, so what are you guys doing? If you're expecting a show with Chris Sells talking all about the great technical things that he's learned lately, uh, this ain't it. So. <laughs> we could do there, that well, there was something that i learned that was kind of cool lately okay. actually i've been having a a blast with uh whitby yeah me too because i mean i've spent so much time on the avalon stuff right didn't mm-hmm. you tell me once chris that for you whitby was legacy that's right <laughs> so... it's the thing that is just you know assumed but I've been, i'll tell you i've been having i mean the cool thing about whitby is there's tools yeah right i mean not that i don't appreciate designing my graph- heavy-duty graphical interface with, you know, my 101-key keyboards with XAML and Avalon. But, yeah. you know, the drag-and-drop in Whitby is, has something to, to say for itself, especially the mm. new one. Have you guys played with Beta 1 of Visual Studio? I have. Oh, yeah. I have. Oh, Absolutely. man. I mean, I missed something. What, what in particular are you talking about? Just in general. Every, everywhere I turn, there's a, another little thing. I mean, I yeah. sat yeah. down... To a lot of the programs I write kind of internally for tools at MSDN or whatever, I use Everett because, you know, I can't assume that people have Whitby, yeah. let alone the latest mm-hmm. beta or whatever, right? But this program was just for me. So I had installed the beta, and I started it from scratch. And, you know, I just I wanted a menu. So I, I pulled in the new menu strip, and I said, oh, yeah, just give me all the standard items. And, I you know, I ripped... I'd used all those and ripped out the new the ones that I didn't need, and all the pictures were there and all the right names. And then I started adding my own 
yeah. my own menu item. Yeah. And instead of it being like menu item one, menu item two, right? Something useful like that. Yeah. It actually added menu items with the appropriate name. So I didn't have to go back and rename them. It names based on the text. Yeah. Just That's little cool. stuff like that. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's all over. Yeah, what I've been having... telling people is, is, is that, is that uh, Whidbey, or 2005, as I guess we have to call it nowadays, even though I think Whidbey is a cooler name. Um, I, it makes me feel like 2003 was just sort of like a, a like notepad. I mean, it's really yeah. that much different. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that there's that big a leap, but... Well, I, I, well, what happened is like 2003 did a lot of things for us that, you know, were really nice and everything, but 2005 gives us like everything else that people have kind of been screaming for and that people want to see in a modern IDE that just wasn't in 2003. Yeah. I'm, to- I'm totally with you because, you know, the, the menu thing was, was a nice little productivity enhancement, right? It was kind of fun. Yeah. But then the, the next thing that I wanted to add was some user settings right. to my app, right? And so normally I would go to that chapter of my book and I keep soft copies handy so that I could go and scrape out the little piece of code that I say, if you want user settings, here's what you should do, right? Right. And I just paste it in my app and then go from there. But in, have you guys seen the new user settings stuff in, in 2005? I haven't seen user settings in the beta one refresh. But are you talking so, about beta one? I'm talking about beta one. I assume it's still there in the beta one refresh. Okay, no. So all you have to do is go to the properties. So you, you, you go to the project properties, right? Mm-hmm. Right click on pro, your, your project and choose properties. Uh-huh. And there's this big kind of. It takes over like one of the windows, like one of the code windows. It's one of those. Yeah. It's like where all the properties were, like the build settings and whatnot. And oh, one of yes. called settings. Yeah. And the settings is just a list of named, typed pairs. So you give right. it the name of a setting like user email or whatever. Yeah. And then you give it a type, and you're allowed to pick from, you know, string or int or whatever. Or you can, like, say, I want a list of some custom, like a generic list of some custom type. Mm. Wh- whatever type you want. And then you can give it a default value, and you can say, is this a user setting or an application setting? Mm. And it'll keep track of that. Yeah. Right? So now you have, inside your code, you just have a named uh, collection of all these things. Right. And, and they're all typeface, too. And there's no writing, reading, and all that. They're, all you have to do is save them. They're yeah. automatically loaded for you. Yeah. And all, you, don't, you just have to, whether they're application or you, have to keep track of. That's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. How about I mean, how that's about, the difference between Notepad, right? Typing the code yourself and, <laughs> and 2005. Absolutely. We're going to have some people uh, talking about Whidbey next week from Microsoft. But um, the the thing that I, I love that I saw that blew me away was the like the XML refactoring and in IntelliSense in Whidbey. The XML ref- they do XML refactoring. Well, sharp refactoring. you might call it you might call it refactoring, but it's sort of like you know every time that you change if you change an element name, for example, in one place, it'll change everywhere else that it's referenced. Things like that. Sure. Yeah, and so I call that refactoring. But you know, sure. just yeah. IntelliSense, IntelliSense and XML, you know, and in wow, config files that. and in config files. Cool. Uh, it's just <laughs> little th- like you said. It's the little things. It's just make. a ton. That make it really sweet. Yeah, well, you could say the same thing almost about uh, the .NET environment. You know that in, it's IntelliSense, and we've had you know we've had IntelliSense, but it's really the IntelliSense that makes you a productive developer. You know, that's pretty much how I learned. Yeah, these days, yeah. Right. I mean, it used to be 
I felt all superior being a Windows programmer because I didn't have to type man or you know yeah. whatever you did on the Macintosh. <laughs> I don't even remember. I right. could just press F1, right? Right, yeah. And now I don't even have to do that. Right. So this is a good question because I was talking with Jesse Liberty uh, the other night in Boston. By the way, we did a .NET uh, cabana night, kind of like the Tech Ed cabanas. Tom Robbins from the from the Boston office put this together. And he got a whole bunch of people up there to do these sort of informal discussions in different rooms on different topics. And Jesse Liberty was up there along with Richard Hillshaw and myself and a whole bunch of other people. Anyway, he said that, you know, the my namespace in VBNet. Sure. Why, why don't C-sharp programmers have that? Because after all, it's not the, the tools that make programming easier, like the, that, that people like – that people dislike VB654 – for, you know, it's not those things. It's the the lack of you know true oop and and all those other things and the and the sort of crippled underpinnings that uh, that they don't like about it. So why wouldn't you give any tools like uh, you know the my namespace to C sharp? Now he actually feels a little bit gypped, and he thought that the VB team was a little uh, feels he feels like they're being elitist about it. <laughs> And it's kind of odd to see the shoe on the other foot, you know. But but it's true. I mean, why shouldn't C sharp programmers have that? Well, I mean, um, it's interesting. The, it is. So now the question is, at this point, I mean, now that the Visual Basic programmers have generics, both, right. um, you know, using and creating, is there anything left that C sharp has that VB doesn't? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Unsafe mode, maybe. And who needs that, really? And, and very so it's really just C sharp programmers getting the shaft. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Well, and, you know, um, it, I I think as, as the C family of languages, right? I mean, this, the pe- guys programming C and operating systems and C plus plus and COM and ATL and STL. Yeah, I think we're used to getting the shaft. Right, but does that mean you shouldn't have tools there that make it easier to do your job if you wanted them? You yeah, know, but, but remember what what environments and tools and languages did these guys... I mean, they picked torture when they picked C. <laughs> well, but, but it, because it did... They could have gone right to Visual Basic all uh, along. Yes, but because it did the job. Visual Basic didn't do the job. But if they have something that does the job and makes it helps them do the job faster... But there's nothing you can do in my that you can't do in C-sharp. Okay, yeah? but yes, but you'd have to make your own shortcuts, essentially. Or so you the, could just write the longhand code. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's have you what, heard programmers complain about, you know, gosh, you're making everything too easy? No, but have you heard VBNet programmers complain they don't have generics, but as soon as they have them, they're going to say, how could I live without this? I'm with you there. Yeah. I was having so much fun with generics in my little program the other day. You know, you know, Chris, I actually do hear coders complain that things are getting too easy. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, <laughs> I've, been, I've been hearing that a lot lately, which is kind of freaky to me. Yeah. They're afraid of losing their jobs. No, they don't trust it. That's it. It's just too high level. Mm-hmm. You know? But I don't I don't know. I don't buy that we'd rather have the pain. We'd rather do it the long way all the time, you know? I think but, if it does the job, there's a big majority of programmers out there who would just as soon not type everything. But one of the th- I remember as an ATL programmer, one of the things that I really loved was when, when the, the comm server wizard uh, generated the code. It, yep. There was nothing magic, right? It wasn't built into the compiler or something to support right. for ATL. It was just here's your DLL entry point, right. and here's where it creates the 
the classes for doing server stuff, and here's what these calls mean. Yeah. And if you don't like that, <laughs> yeah. your DLL entry point, go nuts. Right, right. Right. It was right there. Whereas with the my stuff, you know, it's great. It goes as far as it goes. And, you know, that common it takes care of that common task for you. But if you need it to do be just a little bit different, yeah. Suddenly you're dropping down into, well, I gotta write all that code by hand anyway, just so I can tweak that little thing. True. And well, remember the C family languages is for those kind of people. Sure. Right? It's really a personality thing, not a productivity thing at this point. True. All right, well, listen, let's hold that thought and come back to that on the other side of the hour. But uh, right now, Chris, I know you have something that you have to do, and you'll be back. And we're going to turn it over to uh, Mr. Kirk, who has the Weird Wide Web segment of the show. What you've been waiting for this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Soluble. Soluble. Yeah, you got to hook that up. Oh, yeah, I do. That's right. For you listeners out there, the link is going to be shrinkster.com forward slash one. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're all business tonight? What is this? Uh, here, Here's Kirk. The URL is what? You're right. You know, what have you been doing, man? I've been doing – well, you know, it's my uh, it's a big weekend for me. It's my birthday weekend. Yeah. I turn uh, 66 years old. Cool. <laughs> 66? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm typing shrinkster.com. Exactly. You're telling like, me yeah, you're yeah, 65. Yeah, yeah great. Okay. <laughs> uh, going to pick up my uh, pick out my new presents tomorrow. Uh, is it a present. motorcycle by any chance? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> Did you just buy a motorcycle? Uh, no, I, I took I, I that one back. I, yeah, I couldn't. Too much grief. One. Too much. Yeah. yeah so the, too much grief. The wife. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this one, it's a right. uh, it's, uh, it's nice. <laughs> so. <laughs> Picking out the new one tomorrow, and uh, it's been a dream of mine for uh, so for those of you sixty six years. <laughs> so for those who don't know Kirk, he's uh, he, he picks out weird websites and uh, tells us all <laughs> about them, it. and it's a nice little diversion we like here on the show. So anyway, what you got for us today? Uh, first one: shrinkster.com forward slash one ca one ca. What might this be? Ah, uh, the soluble song. This is very cool. There's two kittens playing guitar and dancing. It's like a little Beatles thing happening. Well, that is that is weird. I got to tell you, it's that's, actually that's, just ridiculously cute. Well, it's very cute. But to be it's honest with you, on that site, rathergood.com uh, is, is, the, is the main site. There is so many great little short films like that. There's videos. Just go on the left. The kittens do several. That's a flash animation, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny. There's so much there. <laughs> I mean you could spend – you could literally spend hours just looking at these. It's great. I can't believe I just watched cats singing about being soluble. That's in- – <laughs> Somebody's doing a little, uh, I don't know, something. It's rather good. Well, shrinkster.com, a 1CA, and uh, go to the parent directory and you'll find it. All right, next one. This is great. Um, 
Carl actually sent me this a, a while ago, and All we right. haven't done it yet, and this is fantastic. It's stringshare.com forward slash 1CB. That's, uh, this is insane. 1CB. And it's, this is uh, a blog post, right? Yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. This is from somethingawful.com. Something you got to scroll down a little past the yeah. uh, picture, and uh, there's a whole bunch of links to this, uh, this guy's mother's house. Actually, I don't know if it's – I think it's his house too. She's an eBay fanatic. Uh, now, my wife likes to go to like you know QVC and occasionally buy a thing or here, a thing or there. But this is this is a bit much. So wait a minute. He's now got links to the pictures. They're not. They don't. No, I, I think I think the because he had so many, it yeah. was taking too long for the page to load. Oh, so he just linked them. So he linked them instead. Okay. But um, but anyway, so what it is is a tour through his mother's house, through his house where he lives. And his mother is an eBay addict and a pack rat. Oh, my God. And there's basically zero living space in this house. It's filled with crap. And he takes picture of room after room after room after room after room after room filled to the brim with stuff that she trades on eBay. And and he's got his comments, you know, about every room. And uh, it's just just spend five or ten minutes here and thank the Lord you you aren't insane like that. <laughs> uh, it's really, really weird and entertaining Ugh. at the same time. Mm-mm-mm. How much did she spend? Uh, I don't even remember that figure, but I know it's like uh, there's a picture of like his room, and he says, "This is my room, one of the only places that doesn't have stuff." Oh, nope, there's some more junk. You know, she must have moved that in yesterday Ugh. when I wasn't looking. Okay, so my wife's a pack rat, and that's why we took nine months to clean out my house. But it wasn't like this. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is unbelievable. I like the snow globe and paperweight collection. Wow. Okay, so what's next, man? Okay. Next is uh, a, a New Zealand uh, fetish of sorts. It is shrinkster.com forward slash 1CD. That's one Charlie Delta. Or the actual URL is just as easy. It's yeah, Zorb. Z-O-B dot com. Z-O-R-B. Z-O-R-B, yeah, Sorry. Zorb. I want one of these. So what is this? This is a giant uh, inflated plastic ball that you roll down <laughs> cliffs and jump out of airplanes. Is that like a human with. hamster ball? Yeah, it's awesome. But they, they like put you in it and roll you down like giant cliffs in New Zealand. It's great. Wow. So, the, so this had to have been invented at Burning Man. This is totally what <laughs> is it? If you look inside all of this stuff. If you look inside the third picture, I think he is wearing a kilt, actually. <laughs> oh, he okay. could be. No, probably and not. so they have they have this These guy sells great. them? So uh, it's basically just uh, pictures of the um, he's of got a tourist and stuff. He's, he's got, got a patent. Yeah, I yeah, I'd go nuts, man. If I invented this, it just looks like the throw up machine. Yeah, throw up machine. Yeah, but like you, the vomitorium, but with yeah. a much better view. You know, you just <laughs> that could actually be really, really fun. Zorb Jedi training at dawn. Huh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is much better than the than the uh, tractor tire I rolled down on hills in when I was a kid. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Uh, so it's, the, uh, it's not uh, – it's, it's fun. I want to do one of these. Yeah, excellent. Okay, right, terrific. Well, we'll, see you, we'll see you next week. Thanks, man. I'll be here. That was great. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. Absolutely. He's not dead yet. No, he's not dead yet. So uh, we, we actually want to announce on this show as well that we have a, a poll uh, due to the, some letters that we've gotten saying, what is this weird wide web stuff in a .NET show? Uh, you know, 
And so we put up a poll to see if people want us to kill Kirk. And because some of us do, and we want to know <laughs> if they if they do, we want to know what method they want us to use to kill him. And maybe Kirk should do something else on the show. So anyway, go to uh, net slash web, that's W-E-B-B, poll, dot, uh, uh, just web poll, yeah, slash web poll. So that's it. All right, well, um, stick around, and uh, we're going to play some music and pay some bills, and we'll catch you on the other side of the hour. This is a Franklin Brothers tune called Dream Factory. Away, the fireflies that I saw from my brother's eyes Gone away the summers of my dreams Racing cans down Irving Street Safe and warm in the evening heat Someone always looking out for me Trade you a steely for that candy bar Sleep in the back of my daddy's car I know he'll tuck me in when we get home To my dream factory To my dream factory Sixteen, I drove that car Fly away so fast, so far Try to find someone else who thinks like me Who do I turn to? Who can I trust? The house next door has an impenetrable such a big neighborhood and yet so all alone in my dream factory in my dream factory
If you haven't checked out ActiveReports.net yet for reporting, you want to do that. Uh, if you're doing any kind of reporting inside your applications, web applications, Windows applications, you want to check it out. This isn't going to break the bank, and it's got all the features you need. Integrates directly into the Visual Studio.net environment. So there's a familiar user interface. You can use it with C Sharp or VBNet or any .NET language. And allows the reports to be compiled and included as part of your application for speed and security or distributed separately. There's also a beginner report wizard and a Microsoft Access Report import wizard. You can also host third-party controls in the designer like chart controls, image controls. There's a fully exposed object model and you can modify and build reports dynamically. It's great stuff. And as I said before, it's affordable, great reporting from Data Dynamics. Check them out. They're a great sponsor of .NET Rocks. They've been with us since the beginning of the live show, and, uh, and we love their products, and that's why, that's why they sponsor us. www.datadynamics.com.
And that was uh, Franklin Brothers, myself and my brother Jay, with our album title cut, Strange Communication. It was kind of fun. And uh, you can check it out at pwop.com. That's P-W-O-P.com. You know what that stands for? That's the uh, sound of a forehead slap. Pwop. Like that. Exactly. Yeah, just like that. So um, just an update before we do Ask Rory. Uh, the Kill Kirk web poll is pretty interesting. What do you think of Kirk's web, weird wide web bit? Awesome, don't change it. It f- takes the lead at 40.82%. It sucks, sticks to dot net, stick to dot net is at 25%. We have good at 12%, okay at 10%, and 4%, 5% said Kirk is evil. To the question, would you rather hear Kirk Webb do some other bit on the show instead of the weird wide web? Uh, a majority, 60% said no, and 40% said yes. Hmm. To the question, should we have Kirk Webb killed, 68% said uh, <laughs> no. This is looking good for you, and 32% said yes. If you answered yes, please select a method of execution or choose let him live. And overwhelmingly, 60% said let him live. Follow, which is Shoot. odd because followed by 11% that said, I don't care, just kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the rest, no. cement shoes, acid, fire hose, flare, and firearm in that order. Yeah, uh, well, it's all about cement. Yeah. So there you go. And um, now it's time in the show when we do a little segment we'd like to call Ask Rory. Rory Blythe answers your questions about jobs, love, relationships, code, and anything at all that's on your mind. Rory, what's up this week with Ask Rory? What's up? Okay, so the uh, the first letter that I got this week was from Gary Stanley in the UK. Okay. And he all he did was he provided a link to an article, and he said, how do I avoid doing this? And the link to the article is shrinkster.com slash 1C as in cat 8. Not as in like A-T-E, as in like the cat ate something, but as in the numeral 8, 1-C-8, okay? And what this will do is it'll get you to an article um, that would probably have previously only shown up on Kirk's segment. Um, <laughs> the title of the article, I'm not going to use all the words in the article, is uh, Man Mistakenly Cuts Off His, you know what, Beep. Dog Eats It. Oh um, my God! An we can't say Romanian that on man mistook his, an, an elderly Romanian man mistook his, you know what, for a chicken's neck, cut it off, and his dog rushed up and ate it, uh, the state Rom press news agency said Monday. So, Gary's I, question I is, how bullshit. do I avoid doing this? And chicken's my neck? advice for you, Gary, would be to cut your thingy off now and then store it someplace safe where the dog can't get to it. Like if you have a cookie <laughs> jar on top of the fridge, or Tupperware is actually really good, and maybe oh, in the no. freezer, you know, like behind the ice cream where people aren't likely to find it and, you know, like serve it up as a cocktail treat during a party or something like that. That would be my whole advice to you, but either way. They make that bitter apple spray, you know, to the dogs when they eat stuff. (laughs) You could spray it, and the dog would probably leave it alone. That's a real story? That really happened? Come on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's in Romania. It said 67-year-old Konstantini Mukanu from a village near the southeastern town of Galati rushed out into his yard in his underwear to kill a noisy chicken, keeping him awake at night. I confused it with the chicken's neck, Mukanu, who was admitted to the emergency hospital in Galati, was quoted as saying. I cut it, and the dog rushed and ate it. Doctors said the man who was brought in by by an ambulance bleeding heavily was now out of danger. That's insane. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. 
<laughs> then the next one comes from uh, comes from Robert Nagby of El Cajon, California. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I did my best. Yeah, El Cajon. So he says, I'm writing because recently I ordered some very nice speakers from a company that I will not name because, well, who knows, with all of your fame, you might eventually get lots of free stuff from them and then discover that, and then one day they'll discover that you once uh, read something negative about them and then they'll want to take away all your free shit. So anyways, I ordered these speakers with a deal that I had received some free music from a popular download service. Again, uh, I'm not going to name the service because, well, all that same stuff that I said earlier. Mm-hmm. I was just supposed to get a gift certificate or card or whatever. So I got my speakers and find a shipping invoice stating that the free music thingy would be shipped separately. Okay, no big deal. Well, it's been two weeks and still no free music. Now I'm feeling gypped. So I called the company with which I had placed the order and I inquired about my damn free music. And the response I received was, I'm sorry, those are backordered right now. Huh? How do gift certificates get effing backordered? Sure, I ordered a CPU online and I get the crappy ass nobody wants me Intel inside button up shirt that's three sizes too small and I only wear large. That comes right on time along with the really lame please call me a nerd oh, mouse no. pad with a Is calculator. Is this another rant? It. No, it's Is not it? that long. Okay. Why can't I get the really cool stuff when I order computer stuff? Why must I yeah. always get shit that labels me as a geek? I mean, please. I, I really got a coffee mug that said computer nerd on it when I ordered the water cooling system for my computer. Holy crap. I have a water-cooled computer with a wireless mouse and keyboard and a 30-inch LCD monitor and 2 gigs of RAM. Do I really need a coffee <laughs> mug that informs the world that I am a computer nerd? Why not just ship all these things with a damn pocket protector and high-water pants? So my question is, do you think I'm wrong at being a little miffed, or am I completely justified in my want to bash this company? Hmm. Um, Robert, and I think I speak for the entire Donna Rock staff when I say, I think you're an asshole. And that is basically Don Ed, uh, the thing, my segment for the week. <laughs> Succinct. How to make friends and influence people. Yeah, really. Send those complaints or and or questions to Rory at Neopolian.com. Yeah. And put Ask Rory in the subject line. It makes it infinitely easier for me to find him. Right. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, how do we follow that, Chris? I want to get back to the guy who mistakenly... Well, so he's, <laughs> he's wandering around his backyard in the bullshit. middle of the night, and he doesn't have anything covering his... Well the, the, well, the thing is, when a chicken kind of goes nuts in your backyard, you don't have time. You don't really think. You know, like instinct takes over. Mm. And his instinct was to chop it off? I, I think he was doing something with a chicken and it got stuck. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how these things happen. I think you know? there's a story we aren't being told. You know what I'm I saying? I think you need to invite this guy to Vegas. He truly knows how to party. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, somebody says in the chat room, Roy, if I drink hallucinogenic tea, I will cut my genitals off. So obviously there are all sorts of reasons this no, could happen. No, will I? That's a question. Will I cut my genitals? Oh, will I? I thought he said he would. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah, point <laughs> is, I don't really know how that happened. But it was on Yahoo News, so it's real. Oh, okay. Well, of course. Sounds like something you'd read on The Onion, you know? Well, anyway, Chris. So, <laughs> so um, let's... Uh, you know, we were talking um, on the phone earlier about... Learning and teaching, and I know that you've written extensively about this on your weblog, because uh, you know you're not a big fan of drink from the fire hose kind of teaching, trying to uh, shove you know a lifetime of experience down uh, people's throats in one week or 
or even two weeks or even three days that some people try to do. So, and you've been learning a lot of stuff at, on your own at MSDN at Microsoft and, uh, you know, knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. How's that going? I mean, how's the learning process going for you, the things that you're working on? So I have a pretty sweet gig at Microsoft, right? I mean, a content strategist at, at MSDN get to, I mean, it's my job. It's my, it's my charter to, on the technologies uh, that I'm assigned to, to figure out what it is developers need to be successful in those technologies and to, to uh, schedule the content, to gather the content, whether it's internal or external, that they need. And, of course, what that means first is I have to understand the technologies and participate in the community right. enough on all the technologies that I care about to right. be able to make, you know, reasonable decisions about that content. So what that means is um, I get to spend a lot of time learning, which I like to do. And, uh, and often it means I'm learning stuff, especially um, most recently, it means I'm learning stuff that hasn't been written about before. It hasn't been even documented yet. I mean, if you look in a lot of the, like, for example, the Longhorn SDK, um, you find things that, you know, this, uh, I've got a foo object here, and what does the foo object do? It provides fooness. Well, yeah. that's not very helpful. Right. <laughs> so, so I said, or or the a very infamous, an object is a black box. Great. Yeah, I don't <laughs> how, do I code, how do I code that? <laughs> From the outside, apparently. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I get to spend a lot of time learning stuff, and mm-hmm. um, even with my WinForms book, um, mm-hmm. I get a lot of credit for just knowing stuff that no human could know about WinForms. If you read some of the Amazon reviews, they say, "How could this guy possibly know all this stuff mm-hmm. about WinForms?" Like I was a developer on the team, and. It, it, it was the case that I wasn't even an employee when I wrote that book. So hmm. I didn't have access to the source code, or I didn't have access to any information that yeah. anyone else outside the company doesn't also have access to. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, this is something, learning how to learn is probably the most important thing I learned at Developmentor. Yeah. Um, you know, being being an instructor on various uh very heavy-duty technologies. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember programming, or I remember trying to cram all the information into my brain on, on COM so that I could <laughs> teach it that first week. Yeah. And COM is the hardest yeah, technology insane. ever invented. It's insane. Because not only was it a very weird technology in, in general, with all kinds of dark corners, it makes C++ look easy. Um, <laughs> Com itself, all the documentation was written from like the exact wrong point of view, right? Remember, <laughs> you know, Olay was the big deal, right? So you learned right. all about object linking and embedding yeah. to try to learn Com, and they're almost un- completely unrelated. And in fact, the Olay interfaces are a, a very poor example of how to use Com. Yeah. So you spend all this time trying to read the documentation and. They're, it's just all wrong, and it's not their fault. They did the best they could, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't really understand it either. I mean, the the guys who design the technology don't write the docs, right? They they 
read and hopefully review the docs, but they don't write them. So when I was learning COM, I mean, it, it got so bad that, I mean, I would cram all of these facts in my head about COM, right. but I, they didn't gel. I didn't understand them. Right. And that's okay when you're sitting, you know, in your robe trying to make COM work, right? Yeah. But yeah. when you're up, there's no better motivator to learn something than fear. <laughs> and there's no better way to scare the hell out of yourself than to schedule to give a five-day short course on the topic. Mm, yeah. So I learned calm. It all came together for me. That week, that first week, I taught a calm course. Wow. And I remember it was so bad. And I, I mean, up at front, you know, I unknown and I dispatch and those kinds of technologies I got, right? And so the beginning of the week went really, really well, right? Mm-hmm. But as we went down through the week, I remember getting less and less sure of the content until like Friday morning, right before the structured storage talk. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen or programmed against com structured storage. No, I have not. It have you is worried? insane, the complexity. I mean, what, what because is they've that? got a whole, not only do they have a whole file system inside of a file, but oh, they've got oh, a whole, oh, oh, that. They've yeah. got a whole transaction system built in there, too. You know what? I did do that in VB. I, I, it's like coming back to me and something I wanted to forget. I did do that. I'm You're sure right. that many therapy sessions. Yeah. <laughs> if you, it's like if you take an XML document and binaryize it and stuff it inside a com object, right? Yeah. It's like as complicated as humanly possible. Yeah. And this was all, you know, native interfaces. No, like, nice garbage collection Oh, interface. God. Thank you. I was trying to forget that. Oh, well, I don't blame you. So, so it was so bad, and I was so, I just didn't understand it so much. I mean, again, I knew all the facts, but I didn't know what it meant. That, that at 8.55, before I was supposed to, you know, give the last day's lecture, I was actually literally hyperventilating in the room <laughs> down the hall. That's how nervous and upset I was. Wow. But then the most amazing thing happened at 9.00. I started explaining that technology to a room full of people. Mm. And I'd, I'd say the facts. And I'd right. say them a little longer. And then, I don't know what happened. Gel. It was yeah. magical. It yeah. all clicked in my head. Yeah. I learned structured storage during that 45 minutes. <laughs> I have had experiences huh. like that. I've had experiences like that where you know the facts, but but there's, you know, you don't put, you you connect the dots when the words are coming out and, and there it is. It's just right there, and they get it. And and you want to say, isn't that amazing? <laughs> and that's like, the moment that you learned it. Right, right. right you right. learned it at the exact same time that they did. And so it just all sounds normal and natural coming out of their mouth, and they're nodding their head like, sure, that makes yeah, all the sure, sense Yeah, sure, makes world. sense to me. They have no idea that the pain you went through right. to come to an understanding so that you could explain it. Yeah. And so the the... The, the learning process is uh, an amazing one because, I mean, w- when you're learning something, you're learning from, well, you're learning from the fire hose that is the, the information stream that modern-day developers have. Right. I mean, in the old days, I remember, you know, getting my MSDN library CDs and installing them and spending, like, a few hours, like, reading through the new stuff and, you know, reading Dr. Gooey and, yeah, Dr. you know, Gooey. that was like once every three months. And that was the information stream that I had. Right. Hmm. Now I get 10 times that information every morning times. in my RSS aggregator. Right. 
Yeah. But I mean, there's just so much information that you have to kind of pick through and digest. And um, a lot of what I do, I mean, right now I'm at the beginning of the learning curve for the smart client related technologies, not WinForms, which I, I already know a bunch about, but um, like the compact framework, right? I know very little about. Uh, Visual Studio tools for Office, I know very little about. Yeah. So the, the way I approach things is the only way I can really learn is to be motivated yeah. to learn. And since I don't teach anymore, the way I motivate myself is to sign up for user group talks mm-hmm. on a topic that I don't know anything about. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can actually, I can actually teach you everything you need to know about the Compact Framework in like two lines. Oh, yeah? And the Compact Framework is basically um, a wrapper around system.not implemented exception. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a matter of uh, it's a matter of learning what's not there, not what is yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's but fantastic Rory, I mean, for what it does, fair, but there are some things missing. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, Rory, it is a very small footprint and a very oh, I know, no, wrapper. I've, yeah, I've, I've been using it. <laughs> no, I've been using it this week, and I absolutely love it. And I even wanted to steer some of the conversation towards that because, just in terms of smart clients, I was thinking, mm-hmm. what a fabulous platform mm-hmm. uh, the Compact Framework and PDAs, you know, is some connectivity for smart clients. And I was wondering if you guys were going to do anything about that. But I don't want to stop you like mid-thought and switch topics, but that's something to kind of keep in mind maybe. Just well, it's, well, it's just, interesting too because yeah. when I first sat down, my first Compact Framework application ever mm-hmm. um, was when I ported Wahoo to the Compact Framework. Right. Remember when it was a big deal that Visual Studio 2003 shipped with the Compact Framework stuff, right? Yeah. So I was porting it, and man, I had no idea how spoiled I was as a Windows 4 Because <laughs> oh, yeah. there was like... Right. You know, I was like re- loading bitmaps and resources and drawing, and you know, I I had chosen the most convenient way of like the dozen overloads and uh-huh. mechanisms to do various things. Yeah. And with yeah. the compact framework, that's just overhead, right? Yeah. They're, they give you one of those dozen. The problem is, of course, finding it. Right. Right. Which one of the paths? Yeah. So I remember spending yeah, some very frustrating. One of the most one of the most frustrating things I ever came to when working with a compact framework is realizing there's no serializer, there's no formatter, right? There's there's no serialization. So, so I actually went down that road of creating my own for simple whoa, types. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But there has to, there is definitely some mechanism for reading, saving, and restoring data. Well, there's mechanisms for saving data sets and you know as XML, actually. <laughs> but there isn't any binary formatter. There isn't any. Uh, I don't, there must be an XML formatter, but I, I haven't seen it. The OpenNet CF um, project has their own uh, serialization implementation, but it, it will only serialize the properties of a class. Well, which right. I guess makes sense. Yeah, but, that's what you want. Um, and the primitives, yeah, right. the, <laughs> serialize. <laughs> the functions should serialize. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there are other things too, though. Yeah, climbing well, that learning curve is one of the most favorite things that I have to do. Like, for example, mm-hmm. in the Avalon work that I've been doing, actually, the WinFX work as a whole. I mean, I've, I've started um, with Avalon stuff, but, but the idea was to add uh, more features as I went along to my little Longhorn Solitaire application. All I mean, right. mm-hmm. that was just I wanted to learn how these technologies work. So. You know, I had a, a list, a bullet list of here's the things that I should be able to do as a Longhorn programmer. Yeah. Well, let's come up with a fun app. I, to- I totally agree, man. Those things. 
that is how I learned programming in general. I yeah. always wanted to write a bulletin board. A bulletin oh, board. Yeah. I thought they yeah. were magic, you know? And then I dissected them and started working with them. That was the thi- that was my holy grail. So fortunate, uh, fortunately for me, though, you know, I didn't finish one or else I would have gone mad. But anyway, I totally agree, man. You got to give yourself a project. You got I mean, I can't imagine people that just, I, I guess there, I'm sure there are people that can just like dissect the documentation and, 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 and somehow magically learn stuff that way. But yeah. I got to, I got to build something. I got to. Uh, it's got to be something it. great. It's got to be something that you really want, like to use. Yeah, oh, don't, I yeah. mean, it has to be something that where you're like, I need this feature in this app, or my life will crumble. <laughs> right, right. right. I'm writing this software to take control of my life, and I'm a computer geek, so this is the best I can do. So I have to do this yeah. by God, and it means life and death to me. Yeah. Hey, um, before we get on another topic, I want to I want to talk about your XML DevCon a little. Rory talked about it that you know, he would give away a ticket, but uh, and we have we sort of talked about it a little bit. But tell us tell us what this is. I mean, it's sort of like this thing you started a very low key conference, low cost, low key conference, right? So we've talked about the the birth of the DevCon before, haven't we, Carl? Yeah, but you know, this is a it's been a while, so let's talk about it again. So so the the DevCon itself. The first one ever was the ETL DevCon, which happened right in the middle of the bubble. Right. And that happened where uh, uh, a guy on the DCOM mailing list was having, he was sent around an email that said, hey, you know, there's a bunch of us that are in the UK together. Why don't we get together for a brew? Yeah. And he got about 12 people and they all went and had a good time. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I sent an email to the same mailing list and I said, hey, why don't we all get together you know, my neck of the woods in Portland, and, you know, we'll, and these were all, like, calm ATL guys, we'll talk about common ATL. And I kept getting email after email after email of everyone that wanted to come. And I said, well, geez, we can't just do this at a, like a, we don't have enough room in a bar. Yeah. So that's how the ATL DevCon was born. Mm. And that was more than 200 people. Wow. That showed up. And it was just me covering expenses and I'd never thrown a conference before. Right. And then I just put up my one page and said, here, you know, to people send me your session ideas and I'll pick the talks. Yeah. And they did. And it, it was, I invented a conference format that I'd, I'd never seen, but I liked it. Single track, 45 minute talks all day long. And it's just, you know, all the cool stuff that I wanted to hear about. Yeah. And I've, now this is the fifth time I've run the conference. People, some people, I call it the DevCon. Some people have been calling it the SellsCon lately, yeah. which is kind of mm-hmm. a nice little thing for them to say. But uh, it's just, it's still the same format. It's, it's I announced a call for papers. And, and I mean, normally at this point, I have like four times the number of people that send in talks than I can actually pick. Because I've wanted to keep it, it's been single track this whole time been two days and i like that intimate feel everyone is experiencing the same talks all day mm-hmm. and it's just this shared experience it's mm. you know it's my burning man yeah cool <laughs> except yeah. nobody gets lit on fire right yeah. well we do have uh so we do have um traditionally we have a q a panel where we put all of the speakers on the the first night up in front of the in front on like little chairs and we pass around a microphone and we take questions from the audience and um, they've 
by this time they've been drinking for about an hour. So no, no one's actually <laughs> ever been lit on fire, but there's been lots of flames. <laughs> I'll give you that. So this year's, um, like I say, is the fifth. It's uh, later this month, and uh, boy, it's like I say because the the whenever I send out a call for talks, I mean I just have so many. I have so many regulars because I've run the conference so many times, but I always have so many new people too that just want to talk like this time I've got a guy from the government who wants to talk about XML and missiles. Mm-hmm. I got to hear about XML and missiles. <laughs> Mostly I'm hoping that there aren't, isn't any actual XML on the missile. Yeah. Right. Maybe they use it to run the washing machine program that makes sure the missile is shiny, but not actually in the missile. Maybe they just keep a log of its use. Right. Hopefully. I, I don't like the idea that any technology that I can program actually goes into weapons. <laughs> it's all COBOL. But Chris, uh, there's this uh, <laughs> this guy out in the chat room, James B 43 I love this. You just have to know about this. He just writes, sells and con in the same phrase. How can he not trust that? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Another guy in the chat room wanted us to ask you to, to, to take some code and compile it in your head to MSIL and spit it out for us. <laughs> What's the matter? Chris can't do it? Yeah, what's the matter? <laughs> Chris, 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 Chris. Go, 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 go. go, go. go. No. Uh, uh, syntax error lines. We actually did have a question about Avalon, um, and it is about the context property. And tell us what that's all about, and is that a really good idea? The UI context? Yeah. Well, no. I like, love the idea. Like button context, everything has a context property. Yeah, so yeah the UI the, the idea of a UI context in Avalon is, well, so in in Windows today, in based way in the history of 16-bit Windows, there there is um, user 32 or user user dot dll. Oops, hold it, hold it, hold it. I messed up. That's the wrong question. It's content. Content. <laughs> yeah, the content property, not context. Oh darn! Because I had all kinds of fun stuff to say about the context. We'll come back to the context. Okay. Well, so the content is cool because this is also a cool part. It's like the core of how Avalon works. Okay, what is it? What is it exactly? So, so Avalon's got a whole new model for how things are put together. The way we kind of had it in Windows before was that we had controls that kind of drew themselves, right? Uh, with you know GDI or GDI plus commands, and we had containers of those controls that kind of arranged them. Mm-hmm. But, but they were different. Now in Avalon. We do have drawing commands, but they're, they're, you can think of them kind of as primitives, as controls themselves, like a line is now a control, or um, a filled circle is now a control, hmm. right? So, for example, um, the button is something like 11 other controls that are put together to build a button. So, you know, the outline of the button and then the text of the button, and then the, the fill of the button, and all those things form together to make the button. Okay. So, so the, whole, the whole model isn't, I have a button that knows how to draw itself, but rather I have a control that can, contains primitives that, when they're displayed together, look like a button. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, makes no. sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but but the cool thing about that, the reason that's cool, 
I'm sorry. The guy in the chat room asked me to beatbox behind you while you answered, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, like, what the heck's he doing? <laughs> wiki, wiki, All right. wiki. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but I'll assume it's a good thing. So the whole idea is that if you want to replace what the button looks like without changing its behavior, you just load it up with a bunch of other controls. But if you want an image in the button, you just change its content. This is where the content property comes in. Okay. You change its content to be a set of other controls. Hmm. But you know, so, so the follow-up question is: the follow-up question is: isn't since it's like an object and it's late bound, isn't that like a variant? Kind of, isn't that going down the same slippery slope that VB6 had with variants? Well, so the the type of content is definitely object. Because it can be one thing, like here, I want my internals to be an image. Or it can be a collection of things, like mm-hmm. I want it to be three images and right. some text and an arc yeah. or something. Yeah. So th- it's, it's purpose- purposely generic, meaning that you can throw stuff in here. The other part that makes it really cool is, for example, list items mm-hmm. right in a, in a list box are no longer strings. Mm-hmm. Right? List items in a text box or in a list box are the thing itself. And in WinForms, we had this. And then WinForms right. would walk up to the thing and say, to string, right? right? Give me the string representation of you. Yeah. And Avalon will do that kind of by default, but the preferred mechanism is to be able to apply a style so that you can say, hey, when you see an instance of a foo, take this style. Mm-hmm. For, let me make it more concrete. Let's say you see an instance of a person, and a person has a, a name and an age, okay? Yeah. You can say, okay, whenever you see a person, I want you to apply this style that shows the person's name mm-hmm. in blue mm-hmm. and then their age in parentheses. Okay. Now, the guy who puts the person into the list doesn't have to care about that. Right. The guy who cares about that is the designer of the application who says, right. I've got people, object, person objects here. Yeah. And so, therefore, I'm just going to arrange it this way. So he's going to customize the view. The, the follow-up question to that, then, is why weren't generics used for content? Why weren't generics? And is it even possible? That Isn't there, like, a used? big story behind this? Why generics didn't show up more throughout the CLR anyway? Oh, well, I mean, Avalon was built and designed before generics were working. So but right now, but look, in the you middle got, of put- You got eight more years. Why don't you just go back and redesign it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you let me finish that sentence, okay. what I was about to say is that Avalon, the Avalon team is putting in generics as appropriate. Oh, cool. Right, to simplify the coding model. Oh, good. I there don't go. see um, content being any kind of a generic type. Yeah. Because it can hold a thing or a collection of things. Okay. But, but I mean, going further on that style thing, for example, when I was building um, my solitaire app, I had a data structure that represented a card, right? It was a rank and a suit. Mm-hmm. By default, it just showed up as, you know, AC, right? Ace of clubs. Mm-hmm. The, then I could turn to the style for the card and say, you know what? When, when I see... Uh, a C, I'm actually going to replace that with a graphic for the clubs. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, the, the text is going to be red or black depending on the suit. 
And that's all done at the the programmer can just do that by setting properties. The pro- the designer does it in the styles. Okay. The programmer just loads up a list box full of card data oh, structures. Okay. Cool. It's very cool. That is neat. That is very neat. And so later, um, my all of my logic of moving cards between piles and which cards can go in which piles, that never needs to change. But when I get some really fancy graphics, because right now I'm just kind of styling text, but I've got some graphics to drop in. And when I drop in the graphics, all I have to do is change the style that says, oh, Ace of Clubs, that maps to image 47. Bang. Here you go. Here's the image. But I don't have to change the behavior of what it means to click on an item. Yeah. Or, or drag it around or the underlying data binding that moves it between data structures or determines whether it's okay to move it from this pile to that pile. All I'm changing is the display, which is completely separate hmm. from the behavior. That is the beauty of that, that content property in Avalon. Okay, let's talk about that question that I asked you by mistake before, which was about the UI context, which just happened to be a slip of the tongue, and you went off on something that I know nothing <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, I was so. back into the history of 16-bit windows. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So, so the history of 16-bit windows, of course, was uh, cooperative multi-threading, right? There was a single process that ran the whole system, mm-hmm. and you had to enter the message loop to let other applications have a chance, right? Mm-hmm. You, you guys remember this? Oh, sure. No, I've done message loop yeah. programming. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's not a really believable. So the, the, the way it worked is we had all one thread, right? And so that's the way that user 32, which is the windowing system of Windows, was written. It was based on single-threadedness. Mm-hmm. That was all wonderful and good until we got to 32 bits and multiple threads, right? Mm-hmm. So as, you, as is still the case today, you're only allowed to talk to whatever uh, uh, a window, an H window, from whatever thread you created it on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's a whole elaborate scheme in Windows Forms. Thou shalt not send a message to a window from any thread but thine Windows own thread. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's built, you know, there's, there's invoke and begin invoke to be able to go back and forth between the UI thread and a worker thread in Windows Forms. Yeah. And that's all well and good. And in fact, that same sort of model is in Avalon in the sense that you can only use um, uh, a control in Avalon, you can only talk to it, in the same UI context. Okay. Meaning if you own the UI context. Okay. Now, that's a little different because in Avalon, different threads can own the UI context. But is the synchronization done down below, or is it totally new? The synchronization is done by Avalon. It's built in. Right. Okay, great. So what happens is, by default, you're allowed to, everyone in the same thread is allowed to party on the UI. Oh, that's cool. Right? That's cool. But if you're on a different thread, all you have to do is reach up into the control, acquire its context, do whatever you want to do, and then release it. Oh, sweet. So there's, you don't have to hop the threads if you don't want to. That's cool. It's very cool. And that's good because, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of uh, teaching this asynchronous stuff to, to VB programmers and watching their eyes glaze over. Sure. You know, it's but not you easy. you have to teach them up that, hey, you have to own the context. Well, okay, but that's and a little easier to understand. 
it's a little easier to understand than creating a delegate and using me invoke and what's this all about? Why do we do this and all that? Yeah. So the underlying principle is still the same. Yeah. Right. I mean, somebody's got to own the context for the control yeah. before they can start messing with it. I think the, uh, the mechanism for doing it is considerably simpler in Avalon than that's it is good. in Windows 4. That's good because the hand, principle is easy. Have you seen the, the background worker component in, in Yes, Windows I have. 2? Yes, I have. And in fact, I've written my own version of that in 2003. Sure. Which I did in a class, live, in front of a class for the first time. Never did it before, but I said, that sounds fun. Let's do it. Sounds like Carl should be uh, compiling C-sharp to IL in his head. <laughs> no, that With was... a bebop beat in the background. <laughs> I swear to God, that's that was fun. Oh, Isn't that great? When you, I love it when some clever student asks you something and you say, I don't know. Let's, Let's try it. Out. Yeah, yeah, and then it and works. And you write the code. Yep. One other question uh, from the chat room. Why is it that I can call graphics.fill rectangle and pass in a rectangle F, the floating point version, but I can't call graphics.draw rectangle with a rectangle F? Because they forgot a couple of APIs. Ah, okay. Yeah, when I wrote my book, I noticed that there were a couple that they had forgotten. Hmm. And uh, right. one more question. Sorry, there wasn't a deeper answer there. No, that's... <laughs> Back in the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they just forgot. Right. Uh, speak, if you will, about the performance of Avalon 3D versus Direct 3D, and and how can you speak about it other than theoretically? Right. Well, one, um, I'm not really allowed to, as a Microsoft employee, talk about performance numbers for pre-release software. Two. Yeah. Anyone who's used Avalon has signed a EULA that says the same exact thing. Okay. And three, let's talk about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Avalon uh, 3D is built on top of sweet. DirectX. In fact, all of Avalon is built on top of DirectX. Oh, sweet. It's not built on top of GDI or GDI Plus or User. They are interoperable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for example, if you start up a, an Avalon app mm-hmm. and you put a bunch of controls on it and you fire up Spy++, Yep. You'll only see one H win for the whole app, which is the main window. And that mm. still can interact with the shell. That's cool. So it's because it's a whole new stack. It's all built so on DirectX it, to get the yeah. the capabilities of DirectX and the hardware acceleration. So then one can speculate that it's probably pretty similar. Yeah. In terms of performance. So of course a thing on a thing is never as fast as a thing, right? Yeah. But it's I mean they have similar. built an abstraction that primarily adds 3D as a first-class citizen in the 2D space. But I want this is something yeah. classically DirectX hasn't been very good at. But what I want to know, Chris, is can I walk into the dungeon, turn left, look at the wall, and see my code? You know, that's what I want to know. Sure. Um, will I don't believe that Doom Four will be written in Avalon 3D. Doom for developers. But find Doom, the bugs. Six might be. And kill them. Yeah, find the bugs and kill them. But it's, my, it's my understanding that most of the games, the, most of the highest selling, most popular games now, are like those little free games that are not highest selling. But most popular games are those like little free games you get on like Yahoo or something. Yeah, yeah, right. More people play those kinds of games, which you could easily implement with Avalon or Avalon 3D. Well, and also, they're just easier to understand. Some of these games really take a lot of concentration and concerted effort to, to get good at, let alone learn. I mean, you know, if I'm going to sp- expend that much brain power, I'm going to write some code, you know? Yeah. That's the way I feel about games. I'd rather, I play the mindless games, you know? 
Yeah, I'm a big first-person shooter fan myself. Yep. Yep. Rock on, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, another question in the in – the, this is for Rory, actually. He says, uh, James, I kind of miss Google Weirdos. How do you guys feel? Chris, I want to ask you, do you miss Google Weirdos? Do I miss Google Weirdos? I yeah. like – I think Google Weirdos peaked when the website um, popped up to just type a message to Rory as will show up in his Google referral log. Yeah. I mean, when that level of abstraction was added and, you know, anyone could do it, that, it just took all the fun out of it. Yeah. Mitch Denny at notgartner.com actually wrote um, an application using VS 2005 that lets you send me messages through Google. <laughs> so <laughs> it did hit awesome. kind of a weird point. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, awesome, that's, that's what it peaks, right? When anyone yeah. can do it, it's not fun. Who needs yeah. Gmail? Just use Google Web Services, right? Yeah. That's that's secretly why everyone hated Visual. All the C programmers hated Visual Basic, right? I mean, right. they sweated and and uh, bled for C plus plus and ATL and COM, right? And when right. Visual Basic programmers could just do it in you know a line of code, that just wasn't fun. And they didn't know why they were doing it. <laughs> well, or, and they didn't have how it to. worked. They didn't have to until yeah. they ran smack dab in the wall and they came crying back to us. That's true. That binary <laughs> compatibility really bit us in the ass. You know, I, you know those three those three options on that radio button. I'll kill you. I was very fr- proud where I crammed the meaning of all three of them in my head for about five minutes one day, <laughs> and then they were gone forever. I, you know, I wrote a book on sockets, and I, I wrote a couple of tools that wrapped uh, that were protocols: mail, SMTP, FTP, POP3, NNTP. And so they were written as a series of components, and the first component was just a, like a windsock component. And the second one was had the protocols that used the first one. And when I shipped it, I just shipped the code. I didn't ship the DLLs because uh, I didn't want to mess up people's, you know, uh, registration and com registration stuff. So I just shipped the code. And I remember getting tons of emails from people who were saying, where's the damn tools? There's no DLLs here. How am I going to use this? And, you know, which is weird because it's a book, not a product. You're supposed to read it and understand it, load it, then compile it, then add your references. And I remember telling people, like, they didn't know, like, what references were and to add reference to the, you know, build it. And that's just, that that kind of thinking was a big rampant problem. Dude, don't even talk to me about book technical support issues. I wrote a telephony book. I'm still getting emails from people who want me to help get their modems to work. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I first heard about you, actually. It was when I, when I found your telephony book online. When you sent me the, the email about <laughs> trying to get your modem to work? I, I wanted to use your book to figure out how I could write an application and make it possible for me to set up my phone so they would automatically answer for when people came to my front door and wanted me to buzz them in. I just wanted ah, to buzz cool. them in automatically. Yeah, and then I wanted to tell my manager about it because I hated him and he really pissed me off and that's why I wanted to do this. And I was going to use your book to do it, but then I found out I had totally the wrong kind of modem and I gave up and I went and I ate donuts or something instead. So um, my father, uh, I often quote him as saying that necessity is not the mother of invention. Laziness is. Laziness, yes. And I don't know why, but telephony and laziness have often gone together for, for, well, a lot of people. Like what you just said. Remember the when I wrote the IM engine just so... I could hook up a modem to watch the phone number and it would IM me when somebody called and see if I could know if I could get off my butt to answer the phone or not. But the, 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 my crowning achievement was when I was actually doing telephony for a, uh, a living back before, this was in my Unix days, back before even Intel, uh, 
we had a corporate policy that every morning we had to re-record our voicemail with today's day and date and then leave the same old message just so that people who got our voicemail would feel like we were there and engaged and, and um, you know, that we would love them. It's a good right? technique for salespeople, I think. So, oh, I'm not, well, I guess so. I was a developer, though. So. Yeah, if you're a developer, what the hell, you know? Yeah, so, so what I did was I recorded myself saying all 12 months, <laughs> all seven days, and all 31 <laughs> days of the month, and then programmed my computer to dial up the voicemail system, oh, oh, awesome. enter all the digits, and string together <laughs> the message. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris Sells. Today is Tuesday, what? <laughs> September yeah. 2nd. 1999. <laughs> and I'll be back in the office a little bit later. Thanks. Bye. And the thing that was fun is that I did it at like midnight. So people who called at one got my brand new voice message for that day. Right, that I was at my desk at 12.05 recording my own personalized reading. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the sales guys are rushing around, spending all that time punching in buttons. and Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. The developer has the most active and up-to-date voicemail of yep. all the... Well, you know, Richard, uh, the toy boy, is on vacation this week. He's uh, off to another country, and uh, so we don't really have any toys to give away. But, Chris, since I thought, you know, you offered, um, uh, you know, one to Rory, a, a seat at DevCon, I, I wouldn't like you to offer a seat to DevCon through through us because that would sort of cheapen, you know, the, the prize that Rory's going to give away. But what I would like to do is since, you know, this week has been all about podcasting and iPods and and all this kind of stuff, I think what we will do is give away an iPod to a live listener, But what I, uh, a 20 gigabyte iPod. But what I would like you to do is give the live listeners a scavenger hunt to find on the XML DevCon page. And when they find that little piece of information... Or somewhere else, doesn't because now I've given them the page and they're already looking, right? Somewhere else, when they get that piece of information, they send it to .NET Rocks at Franklin's Net, and the first email to hit my inbox will win the iPod. What do you think? Okay. So here's what here is the um, uh, the scavenger hunt. Okay. So on my centerfold, right? So if you go to salesbrothers.com, well, I'll give you the base URL slash fun. Mm-hmm. There is a, somewhere on that page, there is a link to me naked or, you know, me and wearing a laptop. Oh, God. That, you've, seen, you've seen the centerfold, haven't you, Carl? Yes, I have. And okay, I want to forget, so, frankly. On the back, you know, of the centerfold, that's where you, you list, you know, your height and your weight and your eye color and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I listed my turn-ons and turn-offs. <laughs> And I would like those. All of them or just one? I'll take any of them. Any turn on or turn off. Why don't we pick just one so that I don't have to compare big lists to find a winner? Well, we'd have to tell people ahead of time, though, wouldn't we? If uh... just Here, pick, let, me, let me give you pick the, the order, first which pick one the, I want. Just pick the first turn on or something like that. Yeah, okay, my good. second turn off. Second turn off. What while is my second turn off? And while you're doing that, we're going to listen to the Burning Man song by Jason Olsen, the remix. The Ghetto Street Mix. Ghetto Street Mix. So if you can find Chris's second turn off, send it to .NET Rocks of Franklin's Net. We're standing by. Dancing up a storm in his tartan and gown. 
Let me dance around the fire, around the fire, and run again. And he goes from dancing with his lover, Bernie Ben. He asked him, Where's love? Where's love could then be found? He said, That's your dance. Phone delay. Dancing round and round. I love him all the life, as much as I love mom. Heck, I love him more than Don loves calm. I hear a person dancing, and dancing all around. And dancing up a stone in his tartan and gown. And the winner is John Lee. And the answer is non-deterministic finalization. Congratulations, John Lee. You have won an iPod. Please send your mailing address to us, and we'll get that off to you in the mail. And congratulations. And you know what we'll do? We'll load it up with some .NET Rocks episodes just for you. And uh, what can I say? Chris, man, it's always good to talk to you. And Thanks for bailing us out, man. <laughs> yeah, I just feel, I mean, I just, I don't know what to feel about that whole second fiddle thing, right? I'm just a fill-in guy, but Well, that was great. Right. Well, on behalf of me and Rory Blythe and Jeff Maciel, Kirk Webb, Chris Sells, thank you, and listen to us next week on .NET Rocks.